Good morning. You may be seated. I think the Spirit of God is in this place. What do you think? Amen. Thank you, God, for being here in the Spirit this morning. Would you pray with me? Come, O oh God, into our very lives, into this world with healing and love and peace. Come into our lives, into this world with joy and power. Startle us now again, O oh God, with your truth. Give us quiet moments from the busy and the noisy days ahead to glimpse the everlasting amidst the ever fleeing. Now in your grace, open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. In the spirit of Jesus, amen. I give you permission, <laughs> I give you permission to say amen. If you feel like it now, if you don't feel like it, don't. Don't. <laughs> Just don't. So last week, we were um, in the cloud, so to speak, in that mighty cloud of witnesses that we all are surrounded by, um, and speaking of all saints. Today, we're going to look around. This is about looking around, around what God is doing right now to bring hope and to bring love and peace into our world. So I don't know about you, but I'm wondering if you've ever, or if you've put your ear to the ground in recent days. I'm not literally saying put your ear down to the ground, because as I said earlier today, if I did that and had to get up, it wouldn't be pretty, okay? Just saying. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get up. But I'm talking about figuratively putting your ear to the ground and you're going to hear something very strange that's happening. It's happening in classrooms, in farmers markets, in church basements, in conference rooms, in clubhouses, in social media groups, in bookstores, in libraries, all around kitchen tables. What strange things, you ask? Ah. Be still and listen. There are silent tears flowing. People are talking in hushed voices, trying to contain their anger and fears and their grief and despair. At first, you have to listen hard for the sounds of these times, but they grow louder and louder as you begin to pick up the vibrations that we're all afraid we're all exhausted. We're all worried. We all feel very vulnerable about the future. In my peer group, and I'm not going to tell you what age category that is. Some of you already know. In my peer group, I hear the words scary. That's scary. I hear the words, oh, that's just crazy. Those words, there's a lot that goes behind those words, the psychologists would tell us about how we're feeling about ourselves in these times. In 1940, a British foreign secretary was sitting at a window on the eve of the First World War. As his friend stood next to him, the sun was setting and the lights, the street lights were going off. And he remarked to a friend, the lamps are going out all over Europe. We shall not see them again in our lifetime. 
The following day, Great Britain declared war against Germany and Europe plunged into the darkness of the Great War. Three years ago, I sat at my office and told staff to pack up their things. Uh, it was March of 2020 that we would be back to work in two weeks. Pandemic. The people of Ukraine and Palestine and many other places around the world are in similar darkness as it was with the world wars that we have had as terrorism and war and other factions are tearing the fabrics of their cultures and their countries apart. While we in Amer North America do not experience such devastation, there is a sense of gloom that hangs over the air like inflation, how much is the turkey gonna cost this year? Climate has changed. It's not climate change, it's climate change. Threats to democracy, increasing number of kids and families living in poverty, hate crimes, handgun violence right in our backyard. Optimism about the future is hard to find these days. But all oh, a word comes from the prophet Isaiah in these scriptures that were read. And it comes at a time when the sky is dark with uncertainty over God's people. And after a long exile in Babylon, the Israelites return home to the city of Jerusalem, the city of God. However, they return to something that looks like Florida. Some parts of Florida, homes are ruined. Things or the streets aren't put together. Everything is a mess. The roofs have collapsed. Even their faith community is in tatters. Everything has to be rebuilt. The people are unsure about the future. But through Isaiah, God speaks and he says this, I am about to create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered or even come to mind. Be glad and rejoice because I'm about to do something new in what I'm creating. For I'm about to create Jerusalem as a joy and the people will be my delight. No more shall there be weeping or crying or distress. What a vision. Now, I, I claim myself to be a community organizer and a little social planner. Amen. But Isaiah lays out a plan that comes from the divine. It's the divine strategic plan for a beautiful urban city. There are homes, there's food, there's community gardens. No infant mortality, no RSV, which has taken the lives of our most vulnerable in the society, our babies. There's a generous life expectancy. Who wouldn't want to live in a community like this? Isaiah gives us a glimpse of God's dream. It breaks the old ways and forges new ways. The wounds that have been suffered and the traumas, no more. Peace and love. God is saying things won't return back to the picturesque past of the glorious romanticized golden age. Oftentimes we hear in this country right now, make America great again. Well, God's got something else that we can't even begin to imagine. God is gonna surpass all that we know. And even Isaiah has trouble creating and painting this picture for us because mere words of us mortals just don't 
They're not up to the task. So he speaks very poetically about what God has in store. And he says, the wolf and the lamb will play in the fields together. The lion is going to become a vegetarian. It's going to eat straw. The animals will coexist in peace because they're going to go against their natural instinct. Unnatural behaviors are going to be required from all who are going to be involved in God's vision. And perhaps even from us, even human beings, amen? If we're going to live together in peace, we've got to go against the grain, perhaps, and get a little, a little uncomfortable. Good news, good news. They shall not hurt or destroy my holy mountain. Israel's glorious restoration will be of epic proportions in Zion, Jerusalem, will be at the heart of God's delight. For people over the generations, God's dream has instilled hope. When we are in despair about things and things that keep you up at night, there's a word for us in our wilderness wanderings. God invites us to listen and to look a little bit more carefully into the present moment to see where hope is breaking in. And hope is the creative energy of God at work in uh, and us amidst the struggles. And then in Isaiah it says, do you see it? Hope keeps us alive and engaged. And the Quaker Parker Palmer says, hope is the creative and the imaginative energy of God at work in you and me. Hope is the creative energy and the imagination of God at work in you and me. Don't be surprised to find hope in the most unlikely places. In recent months, I have joined the New Market Business Association down at Mass and Cass. How many know where that is? How many have heard about Mass and Cass? Kwai, are you with me? Okay, I have to look and see now. <laughs> Can't see what's, I don't have eyes in the back of my head. <laughs> Mass and Cass is a humanitarian crisis, and it is an encampment of upward to 200 or 300 unsheltered homeless people on any given day, ranging in age from 14 up to the age of over 60. The majority of the folks here have been bought, uh, born in Boston, but the remainder come from outside of the city. They represent the beautiful diversity of God's human rainbow. After many failed attempts over the past eight months with a group of faith leaders who tried to get through some legislation to make some change in that situation, and it failed, something tugged at me and said, it's time for you to go listen and learn. I'd driven by Mass and Cass many times and talked about it, but I hadn't taken the time to listen and to learn about what's going on. Yes, it's a humanitarian crisis that's driven by the opioids, it's driven by mental health, sexual trafficking, the lack of good housing and mental health services, and the pandemic. These are long-standing symptoms of neglect and broken systems and broken people. Mass and caste in my book is not okay. Can I get an amen? amen. Thursday, 
is one of the best days of my week. And I'll tell you, because that's the day I go down to mass in class, and I join a group of 20 folks. Half of them have been uh, members of that community. The other half um, still live in that community. And we don a yellow jacket. We put it on, we grab a broom, and we grab some shovels and some barrels, and we go, we go into the encampments and we clean, and we clean around the new market area where the businesses are having a really hard time. So we gather in a circle. We gather in a circle and the hats come off, the cigarettes, come, uh, the cigarettes are put out, not, not mine, the cigarettes are put out, some bow their heads and some don't, but we pray. We pray and we bless the instruments that we're going to be using to go clean the streets. Each item, plastic bottles, drug paraphernalia, sleeping bags, pizza boxes, McDonald's wrappers, shoes, old bike frames tell the story of a hard life of what it's like to live in public. Before we, um, as we stand in that circle, and it's a beautiful circle, it's a sacred circle, we ask people to lift their petitions. Thank you, God, for giving me a dry place to sleep last night. Thank you, God, for letting me see the light of another day. Thank you, God, for letting the demons stay away so that I can be sober for another day. Here are my keys. Reverend June, to my new apartment. Here are my keys. Will you bless my keys for my new apartment? And then just this past Thursday, Carlos and Amanda, who I've worked with for four weeks, are starting new jobs on Monday, and they have a new apartment to live in. And God says, I am about to create a new heaven and earth. Yes, a new heaven and earth right here in the circle right here. Hope is in that circle. Can you see it? Now, as a person of faith, this is what I've come to learn. There's a constant struggle against settle, settling for what is possible rather than striving towards what is demanded of us as faithful people of God. A constant struggle is real. It is so tempting to sit passively on the sidelines and wait for God to rebuild this beautiful city. It's so tempting to hit the snooze button on Thursday morning, amen? <laughs> but something moves me and tells me, no, there's a vision that I'm a part of God's world that I've been charged to create. One theologian said it really beautifully. He said, or he, I don't know who it was, but it was a theologian. Without God, we can't. Without us, God will not. I say, God makes apples, but she sure doesn't pick them. <laughs> that is our job. That is our job. And God wants us to sign a contract, a binding agreement to work together for the transformation of the world and ourselves. Beware of that voice. Beware of that snooze alarm, okay? 
There's a wonderful book by, written by Annie Lamont, and she shares a story of a pastor who told her about a sparrow lying on the street with his little legs straight up in the air, and underneath you could see a little sweat underneath the little birdie's arms, and the little, little feathery arms. And a war horse walks up to the bird and says, what on earth are you doing? The sparrow replies, I heard the sky was falling and I wanted to help. The horse laughs and says, mm, this is a mess. And laughs and laughs and says, do you think you're going to hold back the sky with those scrawny little legs? And the sparrow answers, one does what one can. Amen? Well, we do what we can. We do what we can. Never, never with the assurance of knowing the ultimate impact of what it will make, but always with the knowledge that with God and with a small seed, it can become a mighty oak tree. The energy, the creative power of God to move, that is what I call hope. There's power in God's dream, embrace it and live it. There's power in God's dream, live it because you care. Live it because God loves you. There is power in God's dream. Live it because God loves you more than you can even begin to imagine. God gave us his only son that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Live it because Paul reminds us that we are just earthen vessels, but what makes the difference is the treasure and the glory that God has implanted so deep down inside of us. We were created to shine like the stars, not just up there, but in the meanwhile, right here. Live it, live this, live this vision, because you know what? You might be the hope that somebody needs today and trust God as if your very life depends on it, because it does. God says, I'm doing what? A new thing. Do you perceive it? Let us stand to our feet as we are able and sing this wonderful hymn on page 376, Jerusalem, my happy home. And we are going to sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 6. Jerusalem, my happy home. This, our happy home here in the earth. <laughs> 